The following is a Breaks Media podcast. You are now listening to the best podcast in the world, The Awakened Soul, hosted by my dad. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 79 of The Awakened Soul. And you guys already know what this is. I've been hyping this for like a month now. We've been planning it. I wanted to deliver this episode the best way I possibly could. This is the episode titled Got Privilege. Well, we will, in the main discussion topic of the day, we will be discussing white privilege. Does it exist? Doesn't it? Of course, we can't definitively answer that. We can only give our perspective, but we have a lot of different topics that we're going to talk around that. And then hopefully at the end, you guys will either have different perspectives, just learn different perspectives. Doesn't mean it's going to change your own, but you'll get to see. We have a very well-rounded group um, from all different races, cultures, and um genders so we are very it's very a very real wonder panel this is one of the most excited times i've been as far as like delivering a discussion panel we've had some great discussions here on the awakening so um so this is this is one that's that's going to be fun we also have of course scoop grady um returning with the petty news of the week uh no unpopular opinion this week but we're actually going to replace the unpopular opinion with voicemails and and I'll read some emails that we got on the topic of white privilege from listeners. So just flip that up a little bit. It's going to be a great episode. So enough of me talking about it. Let's get into it. We're going to play our wonderful and great intro music. On the side of that, we're actually going to hop into my dark, crazy and twisted mind. I will see you guys on the other side. Stepping into the mind of CEO Hayes this week, it's really only one thing on my mind. Isn't going to be extremely long, but I'm sure everyone can pretty much know where this is going. So, Kevin Hart this past week decided to step down from hosting the Oscars after several homophobic tweets uh, were, were discovered um, from 2011. Uh, one of them included. Um, if his son comes home and tries to play with his daughter's dollhouse, he's going to break it over his head and say in my voice, stop, that's gay. So, of course, this led to all types of outrage. And um, again, he wasn't asked to step down. He was asked to apologize. And he decided in of his own to go ahead and step down um, and just spoke about how he didn't want to distract from the event. He didn't want any of that. He also apologized to the LBGTQ community um for his words but this is where we're going with the my days is that this whole canceled culture that we have this whole let's go and dig up tweets and everything yes i agree that apology should be said um but the whole idea of 
canceling someone for ideals that they had years ago, almost a decade ago, it gets back into the dangerous territory that we, which we've talked about before in this podcast of it doesn't allow for people to grow and have mistakes. We're getting to a point in the culture where no one can make a mistake because it's they're going to be judged as if that's still currently their mindset. And I've made the comparison to this is that we live now in a time and age where as an adult at, at however old you can decide to change your gender but you're not allowed to change your mind. You're not allowed to grow from mistakes you made. You're not allowed to experience saying something stupid and being educated on it afterwards. We're completely taking that away. That is dangerous territory. It's dangerous when we expect everyone to be perfect and be PC. Listen, everyone has had controversial thoughts. If you say you haven't, you're lying flat out. Everyone has said something, an inappropriate joke to their friends or to coworkers or whatever that. If it was made public, if if it was exposed to the world, you would be like, hey, that is kind of embarrassing. Everyone has done that. We live we're getting now to where everyone expects you to be. And, I, and I've said before, for me personally, listening to podcasts, if everything you say is PC on a podcast, I'm not going to trust that you're giving your genuine opinions. Is everything that you say is the the public opinion or the best opinion or the most easily digestible opinion, I can't trust you. I'm not going to have, I'm not going to listen to your podcast anymore. I can't trust your content. The same thing goes with people. If we take away allowing people to have room to mess up and grow and to educate them and to help them learn and to help them see the errors in their ways, we just automatically cancel them because they say something like that. We're getting into dangerous, dangerous territory, people, extremely dangerous territory. I don't condone what he says. I don't agree with what he said. Have I said things like that? Probably in my younger years, I became a father at 19. Absolutely. I did. I'm not even going to lie. I, I, I can't tell you exactly what I don't have a tweet or anything that I could pull up and give you an example. But absolutely. I've, I've probably said things like that. Now, me being the 32 year old Cordero now who is more educated, who is more, uh, I don't like using the word tolerant, but is, is just more um, intelligent on speaking about things and, and going through what and being more open to people of different whatever, different ways of thinking, different lifestyles, everything, Being just being more open to that. Hell no, I wouldn't say anything like that and just be insensitive. But the thing, the fact of the matter is that I had to grow from it. I grew from that. I'm not the same person I was when I was 17. I'm not even the same person I was when I was 22 years old. So to have it and have this expectation now that everyone has to be perfect. No one can have incorrect thoughts or or sit there and state things and we, and they can't grow from it. It's a dangerous, dangerous territory to get into. So that's just, that's what's on my mind. Stop this cancel culture bullshit. It's not going to stop even with me saying that, but think before you go to say that someone's canceled for whatever they said, stop and think about things that you've said. If everything, if every thought that you've had, and as we get into an age where social media is bigger, people put more out there, people, a lot of people's interactions are internet based. So a lot of things can be exposed because everything isn't just face to face. Now, everything that just doesn't go away in memory. Um, it's actually evidence that can be pulled up. Think about that with you before you go and cancel anyone else. That's it. That's my thought. That's the end of mine. Hey, segment. If you agree, if you disagree, let me know. Normal places, the awakened so pod at gmail.com. Uh, you can follow the awakened so pod at 
the Awaken Soul Pod or at Awaken Soul Pod, just depending on it. And send us a voicemail, 614-547-2039. We're going to go ahead and get into a break now. No unpopular opinion this week, but you are going to hear voicemails. I'm going to read some emails from listeners on the topic of white privilege before we jump into the actual discussion topic at the tail end of the show. So we're going to go ahead and get into a musical break. I will see you guys after this. What's up, everybody? This is Dan, a.k.a. Dan on Drugs. And I am Afro Becky, a.k.a. Afro Becky. And we are the Black Law and Legalize Podcast, a weekly legal podcast for the culture. Each week, we have conversations with our co-host, Anne, a licensed and practicing slash ratchet ass attorney, as well as myself, a rehabilitated criminal and our lovely, esteemed moderator, Afro Becky. Most of our topics are legal in nature, and we discuss them in a relatable way. We release new episodes every Tuesday. Yo, you can find us anywhere podcasts are available. Or you can find us on social media at Black Law Podcast. So check us out. Or don't. Hey! What? Sometimes people do like the opposite. Yeah. Thank you for sticking around for the Awakened Soul. We are now going to get into the prelude of the discussion topic for today, which is discussing uh, white privilege. Does it or does it not exist? And the reasons that's at the tail end of the show. But what we're going to do now, we're going to hear from some of our lovely listeners of the Awakened Soul and their opinions on if white privilege exists or not, or their opinions on white privilege. So the first um message that we're going to get into is actually from jordan from the social complex podcast and uh i will catch you guys right after we hear from her white privilege is saying to a person of color may i ask you a question i know i am a woman i know i am a daughter wife mother and a nurse however i've never thought about being a white woman or a white mom or a white nurse i don't see color but how are you made aware that you're black Internally, I cringed at the I don't see color comment because we all see color. It's a defining characteristic of a person and it literally is one of the first things you notice about them when meeting them. I bypassed my mental commentary and told her, well, respectfully, because I was speaking to someone's mother, you've never had to. You are accepted and protected. The world has been taught to be aware of you. Sometimes I am in spaces where I don't have to think about it. Other times I'm reminded constantly that I am. For instance, where we are right now, we have visited four restaurants and bars this evening, and I can tell you exactly how many Black people I've seen thus far. Only three. They acknowledged me, and I acknowledged them. I am in a constant state of being aware. Aware of my surroundings, who I approach and how I approach them. I'm aware of my facial expressions, my demeanor, what I'm wearing and how it will come across. As a Black person around others... You are, and always will be, a representation of your entire race. Is it fair? No. Is it right? No. But that is something I will always have to carry. So when you ask me how I am made aware that I'm Black, I think, how could I not be? 
She looked at me with eyes of shock and what seemed like a bit of understanding and stated, I had no idea. I couldn't imagine that. I didn't even notice the lack of diversity in this area, nor that that's how you felt while we were out. You seemed fine. All I could do was laugh at her. I told her I was fine and I had to be. This is the norm. There's only so much I can do to change or influence my surroundings, but it's not something I need to bring attention to during every instance. I did, however, take this opportunity to plant the seed for her. Take into consideration what it's been like for you to be a woman in this patriarchal society. Anytime you felt something wasn't fair or right, or someone doubted your ability. Keep in mind those feelings and occurrences and remember everything I just said about being Black. And then remember that I am a Black woman. Her response? Silence. The crazy thing to me about this entire conversation is that I am a 32-year-old Black woman having this dialogue with a 64-year-old white woman, whom I don't really think has ever heard this before. One thing that was ingrained in my growing up was that you don't treat anyone differently because they don't look like you. You treat everyone with respect, and if someone doesn't know something that you know, it's your responsibility to teach them. I feel like our counterparts are not taught the same thought process. Are white people aware? Yes. Do they care? For the most part, no. You can look at our political climate in our country and see that. I think that as we engage and develop relationships with people of other cultures, it is both our responsibility and theirs to have those uncomfortable conversations for better understanding. Now, I know there will be some Beckys and Brads that just won't get it. But if Brenda and Bill are willing to listen, I think it's our responsibility to share. Great words from a great person um, coming from Jordan of the Social Complex podcast. Definitely go and check them out if you haven't already. Um yeah, that's just uh, really powerful. And it's funny because she sent in an email first and I reached out and I said, hey, I would, you know, I would really like to get your voice behind that. And she sent it in a voicemail. So that's definitely powerful. We're going to actually go to her, one of the, the other hosts of Social Complex. And this is Marcus. Um, and he sends in this email. I do believe white privilege exists. It's something that has been absolved into our society in America for years and years. In my opinion, white privilege dictates the notion that while a person can do or say something that a person from another race would not be able to say or do, it is a direct extension of racism. We can back we can back date back, I'm guessing, to, to segregation, Jim Crow, slavery, every attempt in history for a for the white race to put themselves on a pedestal and shun the rest. Now you see why Social Complex is such a good podcast because they just they're great thinkers. And thank you guys for sharing the emails and the voicemail. Um, We're going to get into the next voicemail um, that we had on on the subject. And uh, I will catch you guys on the other side of that to read some more emails. What's up, bro? It's AJ, formerly of the What We Gonna Do podcast. So I had a few thoughts, but I had to write some shit down and uh, I think I had to re-record this. Um, but yeah, man, white privilege exists. Uh, let me say that out the gate. For me personally, I don't know if it's white privilege or whiteness in general. Um, even in business, it's never been me versus the white guy and the white guy got the job because of his privilege over me as a black man, or at least not to my knowledge. What I've seen directly is what seems like a right to life and ownership. Like the law is more favorable, warnings exist. Second and third chances are realistic. Rehabilitation is a possibility. Community investment is a certainty. Living to see another day is almost promised. 
You know, that's a joke, but, you know, I'm being serious. Um, I thought about this often, you know, even though I come from a predominantly black background, you know, HBCU, predominantly black high school, the neighborhood. So the pecking order of privilege has not been the same for me in a general sense. I and those around me did not consistently or even directly feel the effects of white privilege, even with regards to police brutality and police harassment like stop and frisk. I mean, the buddy system exists, and I say that white people have more buddies in a lot of systems, which is a privilege. There's a certain right of expectation, I feel, that comes off of ownership of things, the road, the street, the park, just about anything in general, and an expectation of being respected as owners like white folks really own the world. And a lot, I think, live in that reality of ownership and right consciously and subconsciously and that we, minorities, people of color, adversely just live in it, you know, their world, that is, that, that we just live in their world. Now, true enough, when I go to a department store, a furniture store, or a car lot, or a restaurant, there's a sense of privilege and preference floating in the air. The level of service varies, and priority definitely varies. Funny enough, this white privilege is given voluntarily, even with as much as it is requested to be given. So I don't know. You know, it's kind of like that back of the bus type of thing, you know what I mean, where we're aware of it and we're unaware of it. You know, sometimes we do it before even thinking about it, you know, because it's like, oh, let me, you know, white people, let me do this a little bit differently. Let me smile and let me do this. And then sometimes it's like, oh, you expect this, you know. So, yeah, I definitely think it exists, and that's just some of my thoughts. All right, man. Salute, bro. Peace. All right, and that was AJ from what we're going to Even though he said formally of what we're going to do, we're going to have to talk about that. I refuse. I, re, I rebuke the devil. What we're going to do will return. Um, we'll see what we can do to convince AJ uh, to, to bring that back. But we're going to get into the next email. And, again, I know I'm not elaborating a lot on this because a lot of this we actually talk about in the discussion topic. But the next email from the lecture girl who was on the podcast, I think two episodes ago, uh, this one reads, and this is from PYTiana, is white privilege is alive and well. It can be seen in corporate in corporate settings when a white woman can wear a messy French braid, but a black woman neatly braided hair is considered unprofessional. It is when Caucasians can scream obscenities at law enforcement without being detained while a person of color is liable to lose their life. It is when we as people of color are taught from children to operate by a completely different set of rules and work 10 times harder than our white counterparts just to get a seat at the table. White privilege is real. All right. Another powerful email, which we keep getting. Um you know, and I love everyone who interacted with this. Thank you uh, uh, enough. We I can't thank you enough. We're going to get into the next voicemail um, after this. And, you know, we're going to keep alternating it back and forth. Uh, we're going to go ahead and start the next one now. And we'll read another email after that. Yo, what's going on? This is Jay Brody from Clock Talk Podcast. Uh, and I'm calling into response to the Awakened Souls podcast question. Um, I believe it was. Uh, do you believe white privilege still exists or what is white privilege, something to that effect? Uh, either way, it's a hard yes. <laughs> I mean, it's obvious. Uh, let's not forget, um, America was founded on white man principles. So, I mean, that, that just kind of encompasses all of everything that is white privilege. 
You know, if there is, if the ideas are founded upon just solely white men uh, and what they believe to to aspire to, to run a nation or to run so-called, quote-unquote, America, uh, so forth and so on. Yes, there is uh, white privilege does exist. Uh, just think about your everyday life. I mean, if you're at work, you know, if you're a black person, just look at the dynamic around you. Look around. Look out how are how they're treated and how they engage with one another. And when you kind of come around as a black person, it may be a little bit weird energy. <laughs> that in itself is a privilege, you know. Uh, if I was to go in a white suburban neighborhood, uh, it will look like as I'm not supposed to be there because it's a privilege as a white person that <laughs> you're supposed to be in a suburban neighborhood. Um, Take example for uh, a couple years back, the Dylan Roof incident, where he went up in that, that church and shot all those uh, black folk. Uh, after that, the cops captured him, and they, you remember where they took him? Yeah, they took him to Burger King. <laughs> Here we have a, a white teenager just cold-blooded murdered people in a church, and the cop takes him and get to Burger King because he said, I'm home. <laughs> Come on. I mean, if, if this was a, a, a black teenage kid that done the same thing to a group of uh, white folks in a white church, do you think he's going to get the privilege of going to a Burger King because he's hungry? No, nah, he wouldn't even make it to the jail. He'd probably be dead. <laughs> uh, so, you know, something that I won't take too much time. Yes, white privilege exists. America was founded on white men principles. Uh, black people weren't even looked at as a whole person a couple hundred years back. Um, so, yes, this is Jay Brody signing off. White privilege, yes, it does exist. Peace, take care. All right, the next email we have is from Dan, a.k.a. Dan on Drugs, from the Black Law and Legal Lies podcast and the Breaks Media affiliate um, a, few, a few screws loose podcast. So um, Dan is family. Always love hearing from Dan. I'm glad he took out time um, to be able to you know, send in this email. So Dan's reads, if you poll people of color asking if they believe white privilege is real, they'll overwhelmingly agree that it is. Majority will also have multiple instances where white privilege has affected them personally, whether it be being followed in a store while white shoppers are free to roam or being passed over on a job or promotion for someone less qualified but white. If you were to poll white people, though, the results would be much less conclusive. I've accepted that I cannot make someone recognize something that they refuse to acknowledge. I look at it like trying to convince an atheist that God is real. For instance, how would you describe oxygen? We can't see it, can't smell it, can't touch it, and it has no descriptive qualities, but it is real. So was white privilege. White privilege has a very descriptive, has very descriptive qualities, which I'm sure you guys are going to touch on. In closing, look at how we're prosecuted. Coke versus crack. Same drug, different demographics and very different prison sentences. Better yet, just take a look at rapists. Brock Turner. If I didn't say enough before then, Dan's opinion, Dan's thoughts, highly valued here at The Awakened Soul. So there you have it from Dan. That's his thoughts on white privilege. We're going to get into our last voicemail and then come back and read our last email. The last one 
being from the number one listener in Mercy. So uh, we're going to go ahead and get into that last voicemail, and I'll see you guys after that. Yes, uh, this is for the Awakened Soul podcast. Uh, there was a question, uh, do you believe white privilege exists, and what is it? Um, as much as I think is, it, it exists, I think it's a tool to oppress uh, us, uh, people of color, because uh, it, it tells us that we're not good enough and that we'll never be good enough and that, that you can't fight and scrap and, and become good enough to succeed because other people, you know, have something in front of you. And so uh, from my perspective, it's, it's a tool to drive oppression. Uh, it isn't a picture of oppression because it's not a... Uh, any privilege that exists... Uh, I think is is privilege and upbringing. I think it's privilege and family structure. I think it's privilege and uh, re- religious upbringing, etc. But I don't think it has to do with uh, the color of one's skin uh, as much as I think it has to do with the ethics that we're taught um, and, and who we're taught them by. All right, that um, individual actually did not leave their name, unfortunately. Um... Because I definitely wanted to shout them out. That was a very great opinion and point of view on it. Um, like I said, we welcome it all here. And just because I'm doing these voicemails now, and I'll say it again later in the show, don't think that that means you still can't send in your thoughts and your ideas on what white privilege is, if you agree with it, if you don't. Um, and again, I want things from all sides of the spectrum. So you don't think you have to just be for or against white, or not for or against, but that you either have to believe exists or you don't um or you have to think that it doesn't exist just to send in voicemails we want it all 614-547-2039 we're going to get into the last voicemail for i'm sorry the last email uh for this evening then we're going to go ahead and break up break up the seriousness we're going to get into the, the petty news from from scoop grady but before we get into that we're going to read this last email from mercy Everyone knows Mercy's been there since the beginning, one of my biggest supporters, one of the biggest supporters of the podcast in general. So Mercy's email reads as such. I wholeheartedly believe that white privilege exists, but as a person of color, I can only express what I believe it looks like, not what it is to have. The United States was a Eurocentric ideology that places all things not so beneath the European idea, ideal. For many years, minorities have fought not only to rank higher on the scale of Eurocentrism, but to also change the entire perspective. I believe having white privilege is not having to, one, prove that you belong, our Eurocentric society, and two, fight against the idea that Eurocentrism is standard in order to be successful in creating a stable life for you, for yourself and your family. I do believe that our view as a society is changing, but we will not see an eradication of white privilege until ethnicities that are not white are not considered or labeled minorities, which is a very good point. The term white privilege has had such a bad connotation because it's been attached to the rhetoric of oppression of minorities in the United States, which we will talk about in the discussion topic, because I think those are two very separate things that are all being lumped together. This is because minorities have had to use that rhetoric in order to increase awareness. This is not to chastise those that are simply living with white skin, 
My hope is that people living with white skin simply acknowledge what it is to have white privilege. And if they want help change the Eurocentric ideal that these United States hold. If we truly want to be a melting pot of cultures, all cultures we consist of must be embraced as the standard. All cultures must be held in high regard. Now, is that possible? That's for mercy. And it's so funny, like, Mer- I, she didn't know exactly like the topics that I had laid out for this discussion, but she touches on a lot of it in her email. And, you know, that just goes to show, you know, I, I, I yes, I love hearing thoughts of all different places, but that email, it really just, you know, because it kind of puts together all of kind of my thoughts on it. So hats off. And you guys will see in the discussion topics to Mercy for sending that in. Hats off to everyone who sent in a voicemail, email, anything, the ones who voted on the polls. Thank you for making this episode what it was. We're going to go ahead and jump into a break. We're going to get into a commercial from Technical Foul. Then we're going to go ahead and get into the petty news from Scoop Grady. And after that, it's the discussion topic. Let's get into it. Welcome to Technical File, the sports podcast you never knew you needed. It's your boy, T-I-M-K-I-N-Z, the number three, a.k.a. Go, go, Power Ranger. Yeah, this is the Black Ranger. It's me, a.k.a. Mr. Give It To Me. It's Ash Ketchum in his bed. <laughs> I am the Eric J. Only known as. The Eric J. And I'm Camille, point guard of the crew, the real-life Tifa Lockhart, the girl next door. You know, holding it down for all the women who love sports. And it's your boy, K. Harris, the gentleman. The gentleman. The gentleman. Also known as K. Diddy. Take that, take that. But better known as the people's jabroni. <laughs> and that's us. I mean, we four friends coming together every week to talk about the biggest stories in sports with our own flair to it. Let me tell you, you ain't never heard a sports podcast that's entertaining before. Damn straight. So check us out every Wednesday. Get at us. People, people, what is going on? Scoop Grady with the Petty News Report. How is everybody doing, y'all? St. Louis is cold and it's not getting any warm anytime soon. But besides all that, Cardi B and Offset are getting a divorce. That's right, people, a divorce. Hell yeah. Offset, you messed up big time, bro. How the hell do this even happen, bro? Like, you got the baddest chick in the game, the hottest rap female rapper out here and you still cheating and then the crazy thing about it is the girl that he was messing around with goes on social media apologize and say i didn't know it was real real i thought the marriage was was just a, a marriage i didn't know it was a serious marriage you are so dumb are you serious you sound real goddamn stupid this girl needs an award i swear to god give this girl an award for great acting she is a better actor than LeBron. Cardi, I know your DMs are flooding right now. Everybody is in them DMs right now, like. But yeah, all set, you stupid, bro. You probably took the biggest L of 2018, bro. Next, Tyler Perry pays for all of the layaways at two Georgia Walmarts. Are you serious? That gotta be over $500,000. Hey, Tyler, salute to you. Much respect. I'm just going to put this out there for you, Tyler. And I'm going to tweet you later on. Sally Mae is still calling me. Since you in a given mood, Sally Mae is calling me. Student loans is tearing me up right now, Tyler. Help a brother out. You know what I'm saying? I ain't asking for much. 
just take care of that. I can take care of the rest of my credit. But I'm just saying, you know, since you want to give it, boo, do I need to talk to you or do I need to talk to Medea? Which one is it? I mean, I'm just saying. But no, salute to Tyler, man, and salute to everybody that's helping out with the single mothers or people that don't get an opportunity to have Christmas. Salute to all y'all. Rapper 2 Millie sues Epic Games for stealing his Millie Rock dance in Fortnite. I don't even blame you, uh, 2 Millie. So get your bag, bruh. Get your money bag, bruh. Now, people that's out there saying, why he over here suing? He must need some money. You, you don't kill yourself. First of all, hey, the dance look trash in Fortnite. I'm just going to be honest. You know what I'm saying? It look like they ain't got a brother doing the Millie Rock in the Fortnite game. You know what I'm saying? So, hey, get your money. Get your bag, bruh. It's your money. It's your dance. Get it all. If they didn't ask you for it, then you go ahead and take it to court. Next, Disney is trying to do a sister act reboot. Hell no. That's right. A sister act reboot. First of all, there will never be another Dolores Vincatier ever in the history of sister act. You ain't gonna never find another one better than Whoopi Goldberg. I don't even want... It's certain movies y'all just cannot recreate. I keep saying this. Do not recreate or reboot this movie. Especially... You can't do it. It will never be the same. Please, y'all. I don't want this movie to come out. Disney should be shut down for trying to do this. Disney messes up so many movies and reboots that come back out. I'm just going to be honest. And now, everybody, to the petty question of the week. If you do a secret Santa at work, what is the amount you are supposed to spend on somebody? That is the question of the week. If you are doing a secret Santa, how much you supposed to put on a, a gift for somebody, you know, secret or whatever. And that is all we have for today. Thank you for listening to Awaken Soul. Continue to follow us and support us and be cool. The Oregon Soul Podcast. <laughs> People get ready as a train of coming. You don't need no baggage. You just get on. Ladies and gentlemen, we have the best panel possible for this discussion. I uh, hyped it at the top of the show. We're going to keep it going forward. Uh, luckily, each one of these uh, panel members you have heard previously on The Awakened Soul. But first, we're going to introduce Billy Ray Valentine uh, from the Infinite Fringe, which I keep telling you guys you need to check out. What's going on, Billy Ray? What's going on, everybody? My name is Billy Ray Valentine. Thank you for bringing me on the Awakened Soul yet again. Hayes, what's going on? Oh man, I'm, I'm I'm out here living, ready to get into this discussion. I'm I've been looking forward to this episode for like, damn, Bella, what was this like two months ago since we discussed this? Oh, it's I may even been longer. Yeah, I think it was like early summer almost. Like we started talking about this this <laughs> possibility. And that voice was the Smoke Show himself. The Andrew Bella was in the building. What's going on? Well, they already knew I was here because you said that you have the best panel available. So <laughs> obviously the Andrew Bello is going to be here. What's going on? Beautiful, beautiful people of the Awakened Soul. Hayes, thank you for having me aboard as always. And uh, it's good to be on with JB. It was like, JB, I, I, it's been like forever since you and I have podcasted together. And Hayes, we only talk when we podcast. Billy Ray, I unfortunately talk to you all the time. And VJ, it's a pleasure to meet you. Hopefully, uh, you know, we have a constructive conversation here. <laughs> 
there's a lot of shade thrown that way. Um, I, I that we don't only talk when we well, I guess verbally, but nonetheless, uh, <laughs> we're gonna keep going. My brother from the Fear Frequency, soon to be relabeled as the Film Frequency, and the host of The Naked Mindset, which you guys should all be checking out if you like this podcast. He discusses some deep stuff there with his cousin JB. What's going on? What's going on, everybody? Glad to be here. Um, definitely some talented people on this panel. Billy Ray Valentine, Bello, Hayes, and VJ, nice to meet you. Uh, but yeah, ready to get into this topic. Hayes, thanks for having me on. Anytime, anytime, anytime. And then, last but certainly not least, we have to save the best for last, and that is Miss VJ's in the building from Chopping It Up With Q Podcast. What's going on? Nothing much. Thank you for having me. I don't have any shade to throw because I've just recently met all of you just now. So, you know, give me some time and, you know, maybe there'll be shade later. I'm quick like that. Fair enough. <laughs> Give Bella like 10 minutes. Yeah, it won't take long. There you go. <laughs> well, we are here to discuss the topic of white privilege. Um, not that we can 100% determine if it exists or, or does it not, but I feel like we all have different perspectives and point of views on it, um, interestingly enough. And we're just here to discuss it, have an open conversation. And like I like always saying, like we, we do here on The Waking Soul, we are not here to tell you what to think. We're here to talk about it, give you guys our point of views and some statistics, which I'm sure everyone has brought some, and you guys can determine how you feel afterwards. And I'd love to hear from you guys after that. Uh, before this, we heard some voicemails that were that were sent in beforehand once we announced that this topic was um was going to be discussed so we got some voicemails as you guys heard before but you can always send them in uh that number is 614-547-2039 we accept that at all times you can also send us an email and that is theawakensoulpod at gmail.com but let's get into it people so we are here to discuss white privilege and just to start it off we're going to discuss or define white privilege as the ways white people benefit from the fact that they aren't the racial mi- minority, which is different from racism. I want to just make that clear. Um, so just high level before we get into any of the nitty gritty. I just want each one of you to say whether you believe white privilege exists and maybe a brief reason of why or why not. Uh, JB, I'm going to come to you first on this one. So in, in my humble opinion, I do believe white privilege does exist. Um, why I believe so is because, I mean, I, I've I've seen it for myself. I've seen it from small scales to big scales, and but there, there's more I want to say about that. But obviously, we have the entire show to talk about that. But short answer: Yes, I believe it does exist. Fair enough, Bello. Um, I do not, and uh, in full disclosure, I'm I'm white. I'm very very white. <laughs> <laughs> you, I I see. This is I invited you on here because you were the blackest member of the panel. So now that just blew it all out the water. <laughs> Um, <laughs> VJ, I'm coming to you next. I, I would say that I believe white privilege does exist. Um, and short answer is just that if we're talking about societal privileges beyond what other races experience, um, I think white people kind of have a, a, a foot and a leg above us in that ret- in that respect. So. All right. Fair enough. And Mr. Valentine. All right. So check this. Right. So uh, I do not think that white privilege exists. I think there's an element that people create and and push forth as white privilege. I'm a Latino man, by the way, but I do not think it exists the way people are painting it right now. All right. And we're definitely going to get into that in those different ways, um, how we perceive it. Uh, The first topic, which I kind of already alluded to that I want to discuss is 
the difference between and because we don't all believe white privilege exists on this panel, but the difference between perceived white privilege and racism, which I think it's important to define and discuss that first, just so we can make sure uh, for the listeners that we do point out that there is a difference between the two. A lot of times I think it gets lumped in together and I think that does a disservice to regardless of what side of the argument you're on to white privilege. Um, but when you just lumping it in with racism, I think a lot of it leaves a lot of room for things to be misconstrued and missed also. So, I mean, and if you guys disagree with that, they're different. Please point that out as well. Uh, I'm going to come back to you first, Billy Ray Valentine. What do you think about the difference between perceived white privilege and racism? Hey, do me a favor. Go to other people real quick. I'll be right back. All right. No problem. Miss VJ, I'm coming to you. Um, so here's the thing. Like I said, uh, with white privilege, I think that we're looking at it as like I, I consider it to be societal benefits. Right. So I think racism is not necessarily the same thing. Like we're looking at perceived privileges and then racism to me is more so about the institutions that are oppressing people. And I don't think that privilege is necessarily doesn't necessarily have to be oppressive, if that makes sense. Like you can have privileges that other groups do not have without it necessarily being racist to them in any way for them to also not have those privileges. OK, I love I love that that definition of that there. Bello, what are your thoughts? Um, the two are pretty much indistinguishable to me, racism and perceived white privilege, because like in order for said privilege to exist, it would have to mean that white people are treating it because you know, white people, obviously, if we're talking about the United States are the majority, most of Europe are the majority. Um, you know, they it would it would have to rely on those people treating people of different colors differently in in that fact, it would, in fact, be racism. So I, I see and hear a lot of anecdotal uh, evidence as far as how white privilege works, supposedly. And to me, those are, in fact, just instances of racism. So uh, to me, I find it very hard to distinguish between the two. And, that, and that's that's fair. We're not going to judge you for it. we're going to we're going to talk about it. Um, I, I personally, the reason why it's different for me is that I think that white privilege is something that can unconsciously happen or you can enjoy the benefits of, whereas racism is a outward act uh so to say that's just my opinion on it um but jb what about you you actually just said exactly what i was going to say uh i think someone can have white privilege but not necessarily be um be racist racism is more of a, of a discriminatory or a hate towards a particular ethnicity whereas white privilege is something you you may have and not even realize you have it um so yeah i think there is definitely a a, a difference between the two all right. And Billy Ray Valentine is back. Uh, Billy Ray, what, what are your thoughts on racism versus white privilege? Hey, my apologies for any background noise that that just went down. My apologies on that. Listen, um, ultimately, what I feel about this is that um, there is no such thing as white privilege. It is economic. It is an economic thing. And, and it just so happens that the most economically successful, and I put quotes around successful because there's a lot of different ways to define the word successful. But here in the United States and in a lot of the developed world, successful is taking is taken as how much money you have. I don't think uh, uh, that is an accurate definition of the word, but that's the way it's painted. So mostly the people that are most successful just so happen to be white. Um, and uh, do they put their cousins on? Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> but but uh, it's mostly an economic thing. It's not a racial thing. And while white privilege, you guys are doing a good job of separating the the white privilege from the racism aspect of it. But they're mixed in. Everybody knows that. 
right? So people look at it and 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 uh, resentment is is built in other races and even other white people, right? That and that's why I think it's economic. It's not necessarily a, a race issue, but it, it builds resentment, and I think that resentment is uh, is built is is being uh, perpetrated for a purpose, is being created. Uh, and that's why the myth of white privilege is really pushed on minorities like Latinos and blacks because they want the division to to occur. They don't want us to get closer to these white people and realize that we have more in common than we have different. And I, and I agree with that. Does anyone have any thoughts about what Billy Ray Valentine just said? Uh, does anybody want to respond to that? I'll hop in here. So, I mean, it, it sounds actually very much like what one of the voicemails was saying. As a matter of fact, the nameless fellow, unfortunately, he did not put he did not give us his name, but I think he was the last voicemail on the recording that you sent me anyway. He said virtually the same thing Billy Ray just said in that um, white privilege as a concept is used as a tool to further divide people and to Spot on. And, and in addition to that, it's it's not only dividing white people from, you know, people of color. It's telling people of color that no matter what you do, there's going to be this overarching hand that's going to keep you down. And that, of course, will be a white hand in this instance because of the white privilege. But it's, you know, it's it's just constantly perpetuating more division, which is only inciting, in my opinion, more racism, whether it be implicit or complicit. And then ultimately just continuing a cycle of people feeling more isolated within their particular groups. And, you know, that now and it just keeps feeding itself. It's basically just like a never ending cycle of, you know, racism, division, continuation. It's just that that's that's to me. White privilege is just one of many examples of things like that out there. OK. OK, JB. Yeah, I just wanted to jump in real quick. I actually disagree with that uh, just because for, and I'm going to use myself as an example because I, you know, do believe that uh, white privilege does exist just because I believe white privilege exists doesn't mean I'm trying to cause a racial divide. These are just my opinions. Also, I would never let I'm a minority. I'm not African-American, but I'm a minority. Um, but at the same time, I'm not going to let knowing in my heart that I feel white privilege exists. I'm not going to let that keep me from succeeding. I'm going to continue to try to achieve and treat, uh, you know, try to succeed regardless of that. Um, and I don't think just because white privilege is around. I don't think that stops anybody else from going because if you look at different ethnicities, I think every ethnicity has their own version of privilege. Um, I believe there there is a such thing as black privilege. That may sound crazy, but I believe there's such thing as Latino privilege. And again, that may sound crazy, but I fully feel each ethnicity has their own advantages in certain different areas. Can can I jump in there for a second, Hayes? So just to piggyback off of what you're saying, JB. Right. So. Within different races, there are sectors of people that have privilege or are perceived to have more privilege by people of their own race. Nine times out of ten, those people will be the ones with money. And it's being it's being brought back to the race thing for some reason. It's those are the people with money. It's an economic privilege that they hold over the rest of the population, even within their their ethnic groups. It's an economic thing. It's not a racial thing, and we need to make that that uh, distinction. It's important for us to move forward as a society. It's re- it really is. Uh, as soon as we realize this and all come together under one banner and realize what the real issue is, then we can actually begin to make some progress. But until that's done, we're going to be stuck here arguing about racial differences that really don't matter, in my opinion. 
Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I think I agree with uh, JB here. Um, there can be an acknowledgement of privilege and that ne not necessarily mean that you feel like no matter what you do, you can't ever get ahead or all of these things are going to come together in some cosmic weirdness that are going to keep you from achieving your dreams or that you can't overcome these things. I think you can acknowledge that there are certain factors in place, but you don't let them define you. You shouldn't let the things around you define your experiences and what you're able to accomplish. And I think that's part of the discussion that often gets left out. I think you can appreciate that there are certain factors without letting the factors deter you. And I will say this about what um, Billy Ray said about it being maybe an economic thing. I think that in a lot of ways, we sometimes conflate privilege or as it exists in in um, America with a with class. And I, I think I can I can definitely agree with you to that in some respect. I think that we do kind of mix this idea of whiteness or success in class. And that's a, maybe a different conversation to be had. And I actually agree with that last part is that I think these conversations go, get so focused on like um, money or income or like you say, class. And I mean, really, if we're just having a discussion about class and a privilege in that case, I don't even think that. I mean, percentage wise and as far as money staying in the family, I think it's if we're going off race, it's actually the Asians that would that would be the most privileged in that case. Um, yep. if we're talking just financially. Um, but when I say and this is this is part of what I wanted to have this because I wanted to have discussions in, in regards to white privilege on aspects that I never hear people have publicly. And I, I, I looked at this one as kind of like the power of normal. And I think when, for example, when you go into a store supermarket whatever they're they're the the products let's use hair products for example the hair products that are more geared towards white people are more easily found whereas the ones that are geared towards black people are in a specialty aisle now that's not an avert, avert oppression and it's reasons why but the privilege of having to of knowing that what you need for your hair is more than likely going to be in stock whereas what we need are, are, are black people or ethnic people or people with curly hair there's a privilege built in of that but yeah so i mean now is that when you guys hear that on all sides do you see that as as a privilege because that that's something that when we talk about it and say that white privilege doesn't exist i can agree because i i don't agree with the fact of the whole idea of oh yeah it's white privilege it's the, it's the man keeping us down we can't move forward because of white privilege because i mean there are yeah, that's examples yeah, there, yeah there's <laughs> examples against that in in society throughout the years so that's bullshit like don't blame your laziness just on white Correct. privilege but I'm, I'm looking at it as as of that and even like our history when you go to american history class it's told from the perspective of white people there are reasons for that but that also is a privilege that there's that that story, that perspective is what is taught upon everyone. And for years, we didn't have that. So I know I just said a lot, lot to unpack there. Uh, anyone who wants to jump in, what do you guys think? Um, well, I guess I'll, I'll jump in first. <laughs> um, I think you make an interesting point, especially about the hair care products. And I think that's more um, anecdotal. But I will say this. Um, there's an interesting article. Well, it's an essay. Uh, and it's rather old at this point now. It was written in 1987 by um, Peggy McIntosh as a white lady who wrote an article, and it was called White, Pri white Privilege, Unpacking the Invisible Knapsack. And essentially, she kind of lists these same ideas, basically these tools and guides and this idea of normalcy. It's not necessarily that we're saying white privilege is that, like you said, that the man is keeping us down, but it is just this idea of white being normal, right? It being the default. And so it's not that it's 
keeping you from achieving anything because, you know, me having to go over to a different aisle for hair care products is not keeping me from achieving anything per se. But it's the idea that, like, for instance, um, there was uh, there's a company that um, specializes in making uh, point shoes for ballerinas. And up until this year in 2018, almost 2019, they uh, there was no company that made shoes that were for the skin tones of black dancers. They were either pink or white or they were dyeing them. So these are the first people in the history of dance, in the history of ballerinas, in the history of ballet that thought, you know what would probably be nice if these people didn't have to buy shoes and go home and buy them and dye them to, to match their skin tone. Because the default was white people. It doesn't, doesn't mean they couldn't buy point shoes. It doesn't mean that it kept them from dancing. It simply means that it was an inconvenience. And sometimes privilege is simply that, that you it, that sometimes it's slightly inconvenient for other people to do things. It's not horrible. It's not awful. It doesn't make you a racist. It just means that sometimes it's slightly inconvenient for other people. <laughs> All right. How do we solve this? I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you can help me out here, but I, I don't know if that is at least it's not for me. Obviously, it is for you guys, right? But I don't know if I would define that as white privilege. You know, like uh, it's I don't know if that's more of a result of, of privilege or more of a result of there's more white people here. <laughs> We're the minority, you know, so they're going to be. But we also need to look at things like. I don't know. Let, let, since we're talking about retail and we're talking about hair products and stuff like that, let's look at tanning salons. Like everybody wants to look like you. Well, you know, like look like you, but that doesn't mean they want to be you. Yeah, but they. Exactly. But there's something in common there, is what I mean. And if they want to look like you by default, they kind of want to be you. You know, like I mean, whether they admit it or not, whether they say, "Yeah, no, no, no." Why don't they want what? So what what is that black privilege? You guys don't have pasty ass skin, you know. Like Bello is perfectly fine with his pasty ass skin, you know, uh, and he has no issue with it. There are some people that want to have brown skin, you know, and and, and we're not highlighting that, you know. There's there's a bunch of uh, of of uh, white kids and and black kids, and th this uh, this leans more to the race thing, but it's also back to the privilege thing because I happen to think that. The argument is largely based on on economics rather than where you can get your hair products. I don't know. I don't know. Let, put me on. Let me learn. Go ahead. Let me let me let me um, pose a question to uh, mainly Billy Ray just because of what was just said, but also the panel. Um, and I, I spoke about this on, on my show um, a couple episodes ago. Myself and my brother, my wife, my sister-in-law, we us four plus my cousin who is half Puerto Rican, half guy, and he's just like, you know, me and the rest of my family and her husband who is white. We all went to Chili's. Um, I was the one that went up front and my wife, we said we needed a table for six. We were waiting forever. I in jokingly, I told my I told my cousin in law who's white. Listen, can you go up front? You're white. Can you go up front? Show your face. Say you're waiting for the table for Jay. He went there within two minutes. We got a table. Now, is that just coincidence? Is that white privilege? What what is the answer to that? I mean, uh, that's that's one specific instance, right? And this is another thing that's a problem uh, in in society today. And it's 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 more lending itself to the division of the, of a people. We pick particular instances and blow them up as if it's the norm everywhere, and that's not the norm everywhere. Does it happen? Yeah, you can't deny that it happens. It actually it absolutely happens, but it's scale here, you know. And it might be happening more now because I believe that we are being divided even more now with everything that's going on culturally and politically. And I believe that's a plan. But then again, I'm a conspiracy theorist. What do I know? But we need to get away from these one-off instances 
that happened to you, JB in particular, right, that happened to you, I wouldn't apply that to the rest of the world. Oh, I'm going to go into this other Chili's and they're going to do that to me. I'm not saying that you went through that, that, that you're not right, that what happened at that spot didn't affect you in that manner, you know, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to go to every Chili's in the country and this is what they're going to do to you. No, I've been to Chili's a million times and I've always had great service. So you answer the question then, is it a coincidence or not? Like, I mean, if you've had great service everywhere else. But it's not a coincidence and it's not and it doesn't exist in an isolated vacuum for us. And that's the thing that he's saying. This one incident is a it happened at one Chili's and then he takes it in stride and says, "Okay, well, this is not every Chili's in the world. But we have to constantly do that with every interaction that goes that way for us over the course of a lifetime. In my case, 32 years. So every time I've been called the N-word by somebody or gotten less than great service or went into a Walmart and couldn't get hair products for my hair or had someone tell me that my hair was ugly or less than because it was curly and it wasn't straight. It doesn't make me hate these people or feel like I'm or that every time I speak to somebody or interact, these things are going to happen. But how does it affect you over the course of your lifetime? These are not isolated instances in a vacuum for us. We can't see them that way. And when we say these things, we're not saying them as this happened and, oh, my God, it's the worst thing. We're blowing it out of proportion. This is a long thing and a long history for us over the course of a lifetime. Go ahead. But go ahead, Ace. And just just to, just to piggyback off kind of JB story. So, yes, that was a one off incident incident. But I figured that something like this will come up. And this is still a researcher who in um, and you can check this. I'll put the link in the description. It was tolerance.org. But there were 15 this researcher documented set on a bus in five different cities in California, researched 1500 different attempts of people get on the bus without having any fare of those 1500 times. The, the white person, 72% was allowed to stay on the bus while as a minority race was only allowed to stay on the bus 36%. So this are bus drivers of different races. This is different cities. This is, like I said, documented 1500 attempts, 72% of the time, a white person without any fare was allowed to stay on the bus while a black person was also not allowed to stay on the bus at a 36% rate. Well, not black. I'm sorry. It was all minorities. So it's all incidents. Yes. We, uh, a lot of times, especially with the social media age, one off instances are exaggerated, but when it's something like that in different cities and someone specifically is on the bus to research the, these instances, does that at all change anyone's opinion on this panel? Bill Ray, does that change your view on that at all? As far as the one off situations? I mean, I don't know the study, you know, and, and to throw it my way and I'll take a look at it, you know, but it, while while things like this do happen, I just feel like they are because I've had nothing but good experiences, man. I'm a Latino man. I have dark skin. Right. And, and I'm not saying I, I've, I've been stopped by, by police here in New York City at least three times, one time at gunpoint, you know, um, but, but I'm not saying, oh, it's my race that 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 happened. You know, it's it's because I'm a Latino. You know what I mean? I have black people in my family, too. I could call myself black. You know, I, I'm not saying that. And I'm not saying I, I don't I don't need, I don't want to say that these things don't happen also. But I also want to state that I feel like black people are in a position in, in a in a in the best position they've ever been in here in the United States ever. And I feel like that's not highlighted. I feel like all we get is the negative, the negative from the beginning, from the beginning. And then and then we get comments like. This has been happening for so freaking long, you know, and there's a history to it. 
And I'm not saying to deny the history, but I also think we should be highlighting the positives of where African-Americans stand right now, right now. And, and, and uh, politically, you guys are leaders politically, right? You, we, and I'm not even going to say you guys, I'm going to say we, right? We, we're leaders politically, right? Barack Obama got in the office, if you even believe in that sort of stuff, which I don't. But besides the point, we're going to put that aside for the argument. Barack Obama was the president of the United States. He was a black man, the highest office in the land. And uh, white people overwhelmingly voted for Barack Obama, yet we still get the racism and the, the classism. I'm not, not necessarily the classism thing, but we get the racism and the um, white privilege thing going on. I feel like if we look entertainment, the, the, the heads of entertainment are black, meaning the actual entertainers, not the head of the corporations. That's something else altogether. That's a different argument to be had. But there's a lot of positives here. Colin Powell, Condoleezza Rice, right? Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, Barack Obama, Michelle Obama. You know, we could do Jay-Z, even though I hate him. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, all these people that that have made it to a level that was otherwise uh, unthinkable for the black man, black woman. You know, that we've done this now. I feel like instead of dwelling on, oh, look at what happened to me back then. Like, really should be like, wow, look at where we are now. And look at how many people voted for Barack Obama. Maybe, maybe there's some type of unity come, uh, happening here. But uh, that's all out the window now, I think. I, I, I think they're dividing us even more. We can get into that later. But I, I think the black race the Latino race, we can benefit from highlighting our positives rather than always falling back on, ah, it's white privilege, it's white privilege. I agree with Billy Ray on that point. Um, not only as just um, of a blacks or Latinos, just us as a human race, I feel are a lot better now than we probably ever were, at least in my opinion. So yes, we do have to highlight the the um, the strong points, but at the same time, we can't negate all the other things that have been happening. Um, Bill Ray talked a little bit about business and 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 things like that. And uh, in in preparation for this, I happened to look at something at some numbers, and it was basically showing the average salary for different races and. Uh, the, in terms of races, Asians actually had the highest um, weekly salary versus all the other races. And second was whites. And then last was blacks. But although although Asians had the highest weekly salary, in terms of very high positions within an organization, within a company, I think it's something like under 4% of Asians were actually CEOs. So what does that say? Yes, they're, they're getting paid well for their middle management jobs, for example, but at the highest highest point, CEO level, CFO level, less than 4%. But but do you want to be made a CEO because you're black or because you're Asian? Or do you want to be made a CEO? First off, full disclosure here, I am not for corporate America. I think all of us should fall back from it, personally. I don't think anybody should aspire to be a CEO of anything because I think it's a death trap, personally, just putting that out there. But if that is the goal, if the goal is to be the CEO of a company, do you want to be the CEO of that company be just purely based on your race? You know, because these studies come out and they're like, we need more black CEOs. We need more Latino CEOs. We need more Asian CEOs. I don't want to be handed something because I'm black or because I'm Latino or because I'm Asian. I want it because I deserve it, right? And then you'll make you'll make the whole argument, well, we do deserve it, fine. Let's do it on merit. Let's not do it on race. And we need to separate the race 
from the merit. And that gets convoluted and, and, and mixed in very often. Look at affirmative action. I think affirmative action has done more to set back African-Americans than it has to promote them. Because now everyone, um, not everyone, but there's a lot of people that see a, a, a black CEO or a black whomever, vice president, or a black administrator to a company. And they're like, well, he probably got here because we had to fulfill a quota. Look at Harvard. Harvard is making it easier for Latinos and blacks to get in only because of their race. And that, that again, creates a division because people are thinking they aren't intelligent, quote unquote, enough to get into these schools. So we have to lower our, our bar for these people to get in. That way we can fulfill the quota and we don't look, look like we're a racist institution. You get what real I'm saying? Quick, real quick before I go to V, um, I pass it on to VJ and Bello. You pose the question or use the statement. You don't want to be a CEO because of your race. No. To, an- to answer that, to answer my reply to that is I don't want to be passed on that position because of my race, because I am brown. Mm-hmm. And that can very well happen. But VJ Bello. Yeah, I, I've been quiet for a little while, so let me hop in here. Um, so Billy Ray, Orlando Patterson, Harvard sociologist, completely agrees with you in terms of where minorities, particularly the black population, is in the United States right now. He's a uh, he's a black man, by the way. Harvard sociologist. He's been quoted as saying that America is the least racist majority white society in the world and offers more opportunities to a greater number of black persons than any other society, including all of Africa. So as far as like the white privilege thing goes, when you've got people at that level saying those types of making those kinds of statements, it's, uh, you know, all right. So white privilege, right? From what I'm gathering, there's pretty much two different types of white privilege interactions, right? There's like person to person. And then there's just sort of person with nature, I guess, if you will, things like uh, the shoes and, and, um, and the hair products and, and things of the like. So To go back to what I was saying before, as far as white privilege or perceived white privilege and racism being sort of indistinguishable, that to me is category A there. That's the person to person. Those bus drivers, if they were making determinations on who gets to stay on the bus based on the color of somebody's skin, that's racism. There's like no other way of of framing that in my mind. If you want to get to the other end of things as far as hair care products and and the shoes, the ballet shoes or whatever it is, to me, that's just like, that's the free market. Uh, you know, there, there wasn't as big of a market for those products or for those shoes. And so they weren't in as readily available production. If you're going to break it down to things like that, um, like there's a whole aisle of kosher things in your su- supermarket or non-Gentile. Is there like Gentile privilege? If you're not a Jew, you you have a certain privilege of being able to shop in all of the other stores. Is there an Asian privilege, which, you know, as we kind of stated, like socioeconomically, they do better than white people across the board, higher uh, rates of graduation, um, you know, b- b- lower uh, single motherhood rate, things of the like. And so, you know, they end up being more socioeconomically better off than the rest of us. Um, moving on from there, is there a righty privilege? Like I'm left handed. I got to Like I can't use a pair of scissors for the life of me. Like, are we going to really break it down to the point of where every divide on every binary issue or even non-binary issue there's going to be one group that is the majority and henceforth like things like hair care products are going to be readily available for them and and shoes that match their skin tone are going to be readily available to them. 
Um, with all that said, like, yeah, we if 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 white privilege exists, then all of those other privileges exist. Then we can sit here all day and nitpick about an infinite infinite amount of privileges that may or may not exist. What I believe as far as a privilege goes, I think everybody in this conversation right now and everybody listening, well, maybe not everybody listening, but we have an American privilege. We have a privilege that is protected for us uh, under a system of Judeo-Christian values mixed with Greek, you know, uh, in a dem- democratic thinking mixed with European enlightenment thinking that carried its way over here. And we all live in a system where, uh, according to the Brookings Institute, I got notes over here, uh, there's three things that you can do in this country that will virtually guarantee that you will avoid poverty and live, you know, a relatively decent life. Go to go to uh, go to high school and finish. Don't have a kid until you get married and get a job. And if you can do those three things, regardless of your color, your shape, your gender, whatever it may be, you can live a successful life in this country. And that's a privilege that we all share, regardless, again, of race or gender or whatever the case may be. And I think some of the decisions you know, that certain groups make as a larger whole result in them having a worse off socioeconomic standing, henceforth feeling lesser than in certain respects, feeling that the the um, you know, the demographics that are succeeding ahead of them have some sort of privilege. Ultimately, I think that's what it breaks down to. To piggyback on that real quick, I also think and uh, just to to play the other side of the card here, um, black and Latinos are at a disadvantage. All right. And that doesn't lend itself to privilege. But we started the race further back. Okay, so uh, that's why we are not necessarily decisions made, but but that's why we are not where a lot of uh, the ruling class are, right? So um, we started at a disadvantage with, with stuff like slavery or coming here later, but that's what we have to build upon, right? So our, our and black people have, have made ridiculous strides in this with what, with the examples I've, uh, I've laid out, I laid out before. I just jumped on the call. I didn't have notes like Bello. I wasn't, I wasn't <laughs> thinking I was going to be here, but, um, Regardless of that, um, this is something that we need to build on as people. And we should recognize that we are building as people. We are moving up. We are moving up that socioeconomic ladder little by little. Our kids are in a better position or should be in a better position than we are in. And we should be in a better position than our parents were in. And I think that is uh, the trend and that's where it's going for the majority of us. Not all of us, of course. We can't zero in on, oh, but this guy right here, he's really screwed up. Uh, Yeah, there are instances where people haven't succeeded to the point where they think they should have or, or things like that. But we're, we're building. So that's why we're getting better as a people and, and, and rising up. Does that make sense to you, Bello? Do, am, I, am I articulating that properly? No, I think it, it makes sense what you're saying to me. I also think that in a society where there's a majority of white people that supposedly have a privilege, if things are in fact getting better for black and Hispanic people, I feel like that's evidence of the fact that there is no white privilege or That it is if it ever existed, which clearly it did, obviously, at one point or another in this country, there was no doubt about it. Something called white privilege, right? Like, I mean, 200 years ago, this conversation is very different. So, um, you know, just from that aspect of things, I I think if it exists, it is at at an all time low and showing no signs of increasing at any point. So to continue to be pushing it in the way it is, you think it's increasing now? I, I think I so. Privilege? When I, was the turning point? No, I, no, I, not, not that white privilege is increasing. I, I think the divide is increasing, which will lend to things like this 
to increase. I think the divide is increasing with people like Donald Trump coming in. That's where me and you differ, Bello. Uh, uh, people like Donald Trump coming in and steering the yeah, I, I don't entirely disagree with you, but I just think that the perpetrators are different on that end. You think it's Trump. I think it's the media. Maybe well, you think but, it's yeah, both. I think, you know? no, I, I think Trump is being used by, by – uh, I don't think Fair. it's Trump per se. I think he's being used I can by, that, by the yeah. powers that be. I don't want to hijack this conversation. I want to send it Sorry. back to you guys, uh, to JB, and, and I'm sorry, ma'am. I forgot your name. Because I'm horrible with names, BJ. Okay. My apologies. I I am no very very sorry. <laughs> but but uh but let me let me get this one in here and then I'll let it right back to you guys and I I won't hijack the conversation. But Bello said something that I don't want to let go because otherwise I'll forget. He talked about American privilege, right? And we're all American. We see people trying to get into this country right now. They're trying to get in here for a reason, and they look at us like, whoa, we want to go there. Like they don't know that it's hard here. You know, they, they, but as hard as it is here in the United States, it's 10 times better than where they're coming from. And that's an economic thing. And that's where I keep going back to. It's an economic thing. If, if things in Honduras or in Guatemala or in Mexico were better economically, they wouldn't be trying to come up here. And they look at it as an American privilege, what we have, what we have uh, access to, what we can achieve due to the system. And I, I, I am not a fan of the system per se, but I do recognize what it can do for a person. It does allow for some wiggle room, you know? Um, and uh, that's something we need to take into account when we're thinking about white privilege, American privilege, and how people perceive it and why they perceive that to be the case. It's an economic thing. I'm just going to go back to that. Go ahead, Hayes. No, and and just to, to piggyback off kind of what you and Bello were going to, I think that uh, something that in when it's lumped into it being overtly racist or the economic side is that white people, regardless of what we want to call it, had the had decades and hundreds of years to accumulate wealth. Now, that's not saying every white person has accumulated wealth, but we're saying as a as a people in this country, they had a chance to accumulate wealth when black people couldn't yeah. really own things. Hispanics, as Bill Ray pointed out, coming into this country, just building up. So, yes, we do need to acknowledge that. And I don't have the statistics on how that gap's closing, but that is a very big portion of why the economic side is where it is. When you have hundreds of years to where you can pass things down to your family and African-Americans got a 250 year uh, well, white people got a 250 year head start and even longer than that, because a lot of people brought over wealth from England when they came and other countries when they came. We didn't have that. So I just wanted to acknowledge that point as well um, on the economic side of things. But Vijay, it's been a while since you got to talk. <laughs> no, I was going to say that that was actually <laughs> the point that I was going to bring up um, that I, I thought it was interesting. Yes, economically, I do think that, you know, we are starting to close the gap. And would I say that things are better for black people than they have been prior? Yes. And, and Andrew brings up a very valid point that if you have this conversation, you know, several years earlier, then yeah, obviously white privilege exists. I mean, because, you know, Jim Crow and <laughs> the uh, affirmative action, these these things were put in place for for reasons. Well, affirmative action for a specific reason. So at the time they were much more needed. So do I think that white privilege probably exists more far less so than it did in prior? Absolutely. I mean, I I wouldn't necessarily argue that's not the case. I do think that we are economically in a better place than we have been in a long time. And I can agree that there are such things as American privilege and that we all have 
certain privileges. I mean, I yeah, like I think we all have some sort of privilege, regardless, white, black, American, whatever. We all have some type of privilege. Like, I'm not going to sit here and deny that. But in saying that, I, I think I can also say, you know, that in acknowledging that there are other types of privileges, and I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with that. So this idea that it can exist or it doesn't exist or that people don't have any types of privileges, you do. Now, what you do with those privileges or how that interacts with other people is a completely separate conversation. Now, I do think that, sorry, <laughs> I do think that when we're talking about it, like I said, economically, um, as Billy Ray brought up, yeah, maybe it is more of an economic thing, but... <sighs> <laughs> it, it, but like I said, I think a lot of times we attribute uh, whiteness to class. So I don't think that we differentiate between the two. So he makes a valid point there. JB? I, I, I'm just listening. I'm just listening. I, think <laughs> I, I spoke a lot, so I, I want to hear what everybody else is saying. Okay, that's, that's fair. Yeah. I just want to make sure I give you a chance. You have been quiet for a while. Go ahead, Bella. Seems like you were about to jump in. Yeah, I was. Okay, so I, I kind of actually have a little bit for, I guess, both of the things that you both just said there. So CEO and VJ. So CEO with the... With the whites, you know, we, we got a head start comment. I hear it a lot. It's something that makes a lot of sense for a lot of people. But, you know, just looking at it from the aspect of there have been there are like right now, I believe in my heart of hearts that if a, you know, a Polish uh, immigrant in poverty and a, you know, a black immigrant from, you know, somebody straight from Africa, somebody from from Latin America, all three of those people came to this country right now and they all started off on equal footing. I don't know that any one of them would be any better off than the other strictly based on the color of their skin. I just think that at the end of the day, like in, in current times, I mean, there have been a lot of people that have come to this country, both black, both white, both and Hispanic and, and, you know, Middle Eastern and Asian, however, you know, whatever uh, color of the rainbow you want to particularly paint in this one, um, in this metaphor, it just, um, you know, the, I don't I don't necessarily feel like those um, those those varying groups, um, you know, if they were to start anew today, one would have the advantage over the other. And if we're going to talk about white privilege, it's something that to me needs to be it, it's it's too broad. I want to say like, you know, like there's obviously people in this country who have been here for a long time. They've established wealth. They have an advantage. Ninety nine point nine percent of them are white. Like I get that much of it. But there's a lot of white people that don't have those privileges. Like, I don't know the Clintons. You know, it's not like we all hang out together. It's, a, it's a, you know, there's there's plenty of people that have, um, you know, disadvantages of, of a variety of sorts of all different, you know, shapes and colors and genders. So like when you when the when the term white privilege is thrown out there to me, it's too big of a blanket because it's just it implies that all white people have these benefits over all people who are of a different color. And I just don't see a situation where there's, you know, there's plenty of people of color that have privileges over certain a portion of white people. Like it's, it goes both ways. So when, when I get here, the notion of like white privilege as it is like set a standard in this country in the same way, it's like America, democracy, apple pie, white privilege. Like it just, it doesn't equate in my head. You know what I'm saying? And then going to over to VJ and what you were saying, you know, let's say for argument's sake, I'll concede, you know, that there are advantages that exist. Like, what is the solution to this? Because at the end of the day, I'm looking at a problem that I can't really quantify. I can't really draw. I can't point, you know, I can't point to it and say, there it is. And now I'm also looking at a problem that I don't know that there's any real rational solutions for. Not to put you on the spot. I'm not like picking on you. I think you give me a, a legitimate answer. And that's why I kind of wanted to throw it back that way. See, and that's the thing. I think that, like you, you pointed out, white privilege is very broad. 
Um, and I think you do have to have certainly more nuanced discussions about particular portions of it and, and, and how those belief systems interact with class and other things in order for it to really, really make sense or be something that you can kind of find a solution for. I think you kind of have to look at it under a microscope in, in, in parts and in sections, I think would be the easiest way. Um, but from a standpoint of solutions, because I agree, I think that very oftentimes we have discussions about things we don't have any plausible solutions for them. Um, I think it's one of those things that points to if you are looking at it from the standpoint of people having not necessarily having a 200 year head start, then I think over the course of history, you just kind of have to keep pushing through it, if that makes sense. I think that the legislation that is in place is certainly helpful. I think that obviously we are past the time when we are, you know, dealing with like Jim Crow South. Um, and obviously there are some remnants of those policies that exist. But I think that we just kind of have to keep pushing through that. And this idea of us being more so divided, I think, kind of hinders that. So I do think we do kind of have to get to a place where we are finding ways to come together um, and not divide ourselves among along racial lines um, so that we're able to kind of get past it. Because I think that economically we're, we're making better strides. I think that you are br we bring kind of um, awareness to issues that we consider. And I think it's with anything, right? If we, if we stop learning or growing, then, then we're dead. And so with anything, you can say that things are better and that we can celebrate the successes, but you still have to kind of look at it and be like, okay, well, all of this is above average and excellent, but where are the where are the the areas where we could do better? This is satisfactory. Where could we get this to excellent? And I think that's what you have to do. You really kind of just have to look at it in pieces and decide what can be done to enhance those pieces. Because I think we're in, we're going in the right direction, if that makes sense. I don't think that as a whole, America, in the grand scheme of things, globally, is is necessarily going in the in the wrong direction. I think it's just we want everything to be equal right now. And that, that takes time. And so right. I <laughs> Go ahead, finish up. Go ahead. No, <laughs> no, I, I think that was beautiful. I think, um, yeah, I think it gives me hope to be honest with you. Cause uh, a lot of the times I really don't have any hope, you know, that, that it's going to correct itself. And, and, uh, I think you put it in a way that, that, um, kind of provides somewhat of a solution, right? So you want to talk about solutions. Uh, I, I get asked this sometimes, you know, for conspiracy theorists, you know, uh, conspiracy theorist shows that I do. And, and they tell me, so what's the solution? Like, I don't have one. It's okay not to have a solution. You know, we, we, the first step to getting a solution is realizing that you have a problem, right? Once you realize that you have a problem, then you can start trying to figure out how you can solve that problem. And I think that's what we're trying to do here now. You know, and, and I think that's what a lot of people are trying to do, uh, realizing that there's a problem and uh, you have to treat the core of the problem. You don't you don't treat the symptoms. I've said this many times before. Also, we're busy treating the symptoms, the one offs, the the these little things that, that are the symptoms of a core a core issue, something that is causing all of this to happen. I believe that to be an economic divide, all right? And I believe that to be an institutional rule from a long, long time ago that does not include the majority of white people. You know, it doesn't include the majority of people, period. They talk about the 1%. I think it's a point point zero 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 one percent that's what we're talking about, that rule the world and not just the United States. And it's in their best interest to keep us apart. Because once we know that the many are holding up the few, all we have to do is stop 
And that few will collapse because the few needs the many to operate. We are the many. We are the many. Once we realize this, it's a wrap. And they know this. So they keep us divided against each other. So I'm glad one of the first steps we need to do is highlight our positives rather than dwell on the negatives. Let's, let's highlight the positives. What are we doing that's positive? You know, if, if economics is a positive thing for you, highlight these people that are economically killing it. And there are plenty. Or if, if uh, social issues are, are a positive thing for you, highlight people that are leaders there. If music is positive for you, highlight that. You know, but we need to highlight what we're doing uh, in a positive light. All, all the things that we're doing well, take that and run with it rather than dwell on what makes us different and dwell on things that we might not be doing right at the moment. I'm not saying forget them. I'm saying dwell on them. And that's what we're doing in a lot of ways. We're dwelling on these things. And that's what's keeping us back as a people, collectively. Latinos and blacks, we, we run the same, the same circles. We, we come from the same places. Even even West Indians and 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 Latinos, you know, like uh uh, uh with the Arawak, the the Jamaicans and the Hondurans, it's the same freaking people, right? We 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 need to recognize that and uh, love each other. Sorry if I'm getting too sappy here, but I also <laughs> love my boy, the Andrew Bello. You know, I, I love the Andrew Bello. You know, so it's 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 cool like that. You know what I mean? And we need to realize, yeah, he's a white guy, but he's cool as fuck. And white people are cool as fuck, you know, agreed, agreed, agreed. <laughs> and they do cool stuff. Hayes Thanks, is guys. one of the coolest guys I know, you know, and, and, and he's he's a black guy, you know, and, and I'm learning through each of these gentlemen. Right. And that's what we need to do. And I think that's the first step to moving forward. There you go. I have nothing else to say. <laughs> that was that was a mic drop moment. If there has ever been one, Billy Ray. Um, damn. <laughs> but I agree with everything you said. I mean, it, it it is. And even in having this conversation, the whole point of why I wanted this panel and wanted, I mean, yeah, it spurned from just a one-off question that I threw at Andrew. But the thing that me and Andrew have always said and what me and Bello do on it, I know I say Andrew and he starts feeling some type of way because I never call him by his first name. Mm-hmm. Um, but what me and Bello and the, and the amazing thing that has come from our relationship and what we have always tried to do on the awakened soul back since he first started coming on is that we try to show that, yeah, we can be on opposite sides. We can agree. We can disagree. But the key thing is having conversations. And I think that as a people, we, again, I'm not saying anyone on this panel specifically, I'm saying as people in this country, as people of this world, we focus so much on zeroing in on something and making that the complaint. And we don't really have conversations on what we can do to, to make it better. That's what this platform is for. That's what the Awakened Soul is for, is to have these discussions. I love where we're going with this. I just wanted to say that I don't know if Billy Ray just has me in a fucking sappy mood. I, I can't stand it. Um, <laughs> but that's why, that's seriously why I'm thankful for everyone on this panel, because th- these are the people that I know we're going to be nose hole bar. They were going to say what was on their mind, whether if it's pass a PC or whatnot, they were going to say it. And I'm thankful for each one of you guys for taking time out to really have this conversation. Doesn't mean we're done yet. I just wanted to say, thank you. Billy Ray got me feeling myself or feeling sappy, but uh, anything anyone else has to say, I just want to say, um, and I, and I don't, um, this is just, just to piggyback off something you said, not directly towards the topic though, but this platform that we're all blessed to be on, um, you know, podcasting out, everyone should be using this platform for things like this. Um, you know, before, you know, Hayes has said before, 
uh, before he he took out this endeavor, we, um, you know, myself, Hayes, Bella, we all used to do a wrestling podcast. And I remember when we were on that wrestling podcast, it was a very eye-opening thing for me because there was all types of people. I mean, we, we had Hispanic people. We had African-American people. We had white people. We had Democrats. We had Republicans. You know, it, it, it was all different races, all different religions, but we all came together had discussions. We never had any issues. And I think more of these, you know, again, what Billy Ray said, we need more of these type of things. Um, as much as what, you know, what I said in this entire podcast, that doesn't mean that I have any issues with anybody else. Bella and I, you know, Bella's my boy and, and et cetera. So we definitely need to use the platforms we've been given to have more of these discussions because, or else there will never ever be any solutions to any of this stuff. This is the only way we, as a people, have to give the solution ourselves. We can't. We, we can't look for a solution anywhere else. We have to do it ourselves. Yeah, I, I, I was like, I mean, I guess it's it's almost like my relationship with Hayes is Hayes extending your 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 people of color privilege to me and allowing me to even be in part of these conversations. I mean, really thinking about it, there are people out there who may even be listening to this show who think that like I don't even have a place in this conversation. This is like one of these things that makes me very suspicious of the white privilege, you know, movement, if you will, because it's certainly been something that's been bandied about a lot more recently. And uh, I like I value these conversations so much. I learn so much every time I'm on the show and uh, and then hearing all the feedback and listening to the show on a regular basis. Like, like I I obtain a lot of cultural and social knowledge through the awakened soul. So I'm grateful not only to, to have it to listen to Hayes, but to obviously be on it. Uh, getting back to kind of something Billy Ray said as far as solutions like yeah i mean obviously with some of the conspiracy theories i mean like there is a solution right like i mean as far as like how do we handle the clintons like frank castle needs to come along like that's there it's, it's, an, it's an outlandish it's an outlandish uh you know solution but it exists nonetheless like as far as with with the solutions for white privilege that's where i get suspicious because uh being a bit of a conspiracy theorist myself not nearly out on the fringe as far as billy ray at times but uh i'm suspicious of the motives like who's pushing white privilege well when it first really hit the mainstream in the last several years it wasn't you know men and women of color in in you know circles that were writing for mainstream publications it was a lot of like white ugly cat ladies sitting around perpetuating this idea and then ultimately, what does it lead to? Well, what are, are the solutions for these types of things? Well, uh, there's solutions like affirmative action. There's there's solutions like like things that are going on in college discrimination right now. According to the L.A. Times, like certain racial profiles get certain points added onto their SAT score by colleges when they come in. Um, you know, Asians, for instance, being so much smarter than the rest of us, they get the minus 50 on the SAT just coming in the door in most colleges and blacks get up to 230 points added onto their score and Hispanics get 185 added onto theirs and white people, I guess, are just the baseline in this whole equation. But, um, you know, there, there, there's, in my opinion, like the solutions to it, if it exists, all involve more regulation, bigger government, more, you know, you know, uh, you know, more of basically the same agenda that the news media and the Democratic Party push all the time. And obviously, I'm hesitant when anything starts paralleling any sort of Democratic platform. That's just me. Um, but, you know, when when I look at these things and I'm like, OK, what is the solution? Well, the solution is more control over what we do, what we say, how we need to stock our shelves at our stores, how we need to produce shoes, you know, those kinds of things like, yes, 
are there smile disadvantages to, you know, to the skin tone as far as the shoes and as far as the hair color and those kinds of things? Like, yeah, those exist, but they go a whole litany of different directions depending on what particular characteristic you're talking about. So, like, again, we could sit here all day and talk about all these different privileges that, you know, that uh, that, that black people have, that white people have, that righties have, that women have. You know, we're all sort of at the end of the day, like I said before, I think we're all more or less on on a level playing field here in this country because of the things that are provided to us, not only, uh, you know, in, in policy through the Constitution, but just through the way our social structure works. I mean, everything about culture is super all inclusive. Like it's not as if certain people are being excluded from um, from certain aspects of media or of college. As a matter of fact, certain groups of people are being pushed forward more towards more, you know, higher acceptances to college and, and bigger roles in corporations, unfortunately, to some degree, because strictly of their skin color. So it's like, you know, obviously, if you're deserving, doesn't matter what color you are in my book, but there are systems in place that are putting people in positions based strictly on their skin color. And white people are usually not the beneficiaries of those benefits. So, Bello, can I ask, um, Absolutely. if there is no white privilege, right, what's the purpose of affirmative action i know you just said like these are systems put in place so um you know non-white people you know non-white people can have something but what's the if white privilege doesn't exist what is the purpose why do we need affirmative action if white well, affirmative, affirmative action again to me is just racism it's it's first and foremost treating somebody different based exclusively based on the color of their skin and b like I was like Billy Ray said before, I think affirmative action was put in place to harm people of color more so than it was to ever help them. It tells a company, OK, you have to hire one black guy. And guess what position that company that feels the need to have to hire a one black guy is going to be? It's going to be the lowest paying position in the company. Like right. if you if you need to be told that they're obviously not making you CFO. So, you know, the, the to me, again, that's just straight up racism uh, in, in, in that case. Yeah, totally exists. Unfortunately, and let's work to combating that instead of throwing blanket terms over all people of, of white skin and saying you all have these advantages where most of the time it's the matter of somebody of white skin or for that matter, not white skin, treating somebody differently based on the color of their skin, which is, again, by definition, racist. You know, I, I think uh, VJ said it best. Right. And uh, she said that. um if it does exist, it doesn't exist to the level that it did at one point, right? So saying that it doesn't exist, period, which is something that I did say, and I might still feel that way because of the economic aspect of it. I think it's more economic than anything else. There, And I think I said it in the beginning of, uh, of the show that there is a portion of it that actually does. It might be very small, but it's there. And it, but it's I'm concentrating on the glass half full here. It's it's really, really small. You know, uh, if it does exist at all, it's it's just it's a small, a small thing. We need to look past it so it could just go away altogether. Things like uh, affirmative action aren't going to help the issue. They're not. I, I don't know about you, JB, but I sure as hell don't want a job that someone's given me because I'm Latino. I just oh, yeah. don't want it. You know, so if, if you're like, hey, come in, we need you. Unless it's a Hollywood role, I'm down for that. If you guys want to give me something out. just because I'm Latino, <laughs> I will sell out, especially if the digits are right. But in a corporation, somebody's telling me, hey, come in here because you're a Latino. I don't I don't want anything to do with it. I don't care how much it's paying. 
I don't want anything to do with it. I agree. No, I'm sorry. I agree. I mean, I wouldn't regard, and I know Bello, or, you know, you guys were, you were saying maybe it might be like a lower position, but even if it was a higher position, it should, in my opinion, it should always go to the person that's the most qualified, whether that's a man, woman, regards to what race, religion, et cetera. It should always go to the most qualified person. I would hate to think that I got a position just based on on some something based off my ethnicity when there was someone else more qualified than me. Um, regardless of how much it was paying, I would hate to be in that situation because on the flip side, I would hate if I missed out on an opportunity for that exact reason. So I'm 100% against affirmative uh, action, um, but that's just me. Well, I will go here and say that uh, the affirmative the action argument is always interesting to me because let's just go ahead and note that normally the, the biggest benef- the biggest beneficiaries of affirmative action policies are white women. Um, so there's not a white woman here, but I'm just going to go ahead and throw that out there because that is generally what studies suggest. Um, and I will also say that a lot of times what we view as affirmative action or what we perceive to be affirmative action is not necessarily always in alignment with what necessarily our policies and laws on books. A lot of time, um, companies, um, educational institutions, they implement their own programs and outreach and scales in which to push whatever their idea of affirmative action is. But I mean, at its very core, I don't think that's necessarily what the intent was, if that makes sense. So if we go back to what the actual intent of affirmative action is, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. But as I said before, I think that we have, we're kind of getting to a point to where maybe the ground is leveling out some. So it looks the ways in which affirmative action are pushed or the policies that are used in the name of affirmative action are harmful. The idea itself, not so much. But in practice, I think it's become very warped. I, I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that, but let's also look at the women aspect of it because you brought it up, right? It's white women that benefit more. I don't know if this is true or not. I'm trusting you on this, Um, (laughs) but let's say it is true. Um, That's another level, yet another level of the divide that they're trying to do with humanity, man versus woman. You see it now more than ever before. They're just dividing us in every way possible. You know, by, by dividing the man and the woman, right, they, they, they took the woman out of the home and uh, put them to work. So it's a double tax income. Who's raising the kids? Are kids important at this point? You know, no, the state raises the kid, you know, and, and, and this is part of the divide more and more. This disassembling the family unit, it, it's just it, there's division there. There's division race. There's division in, in ethnicity. There's division in gender. Uh, I mean, there's they have eight thousand genders now. All of this is done by design. I know this is a different it, it branches off to a different conversation, but the divide is real. And that's what I want people to realize. Yeah, there is even a divide between women now. I mean, uh, uh, articles I happen to be flipping through because I was thinking about this before and I was thinking to myself, OK, if white privilege is a thing, then obviously men and women should both equally, you know, men, white men and white women should both equally be, you know, recipients of at least that much white privilege. And I mean, looking around, especially 2018, I mean, again, I said before, like, there are people who don't think I even have a place in this conversation. There is an intersectional hierarchy that is broken out where in 2018 on social media and in the media, for that matter, you know, in this country, Depending on the color of your skin, your sexual orientation, your religion, all of those things determine how valid your opinion is about things. I'm a straight, white, conservative male. I have, like, the least valuable opinion on the planet right now because just if you go on to any news network, like, the last people that they are talking to are straight, white, conservative men 
other than Fox News. And, you know, that being said, like there's there's certain uh, social and cultural aspects of what's going on uh, because of things like white privilege that are being propagated and, you know, wage gaps and all these other things that just go further and further to divide people. But like I was saying, going back to to even the divide between white women and black women, here's a few headlines from recently, October 6, 2018, the New York Times opinion piece, white women come get your people. I actually thought that was funny. Um, Vogue magazine, the white women voter problem. Why do white women keep voting GOP against their own interests? White women, stop waiting for black women to save you. That's uh, Tamika Mallory from, I don't have the, I think that was Fox or Slate. Whatever the case may be. I mean, it's just like all across media, like poor, even like white women don't even, you know, they can't escape these things. Uh, the, uh, imagine that headline reading like, you know, black women come get your people or whatever it is. Like that that person would be fired in an instant. Well, because we generally don't have to come get our people. Well, that's all right. Well, fair enough. Whether or not the sentiment I mean, is accurate is neither here nor there. I'm just, just saying uh... we put the headline there, put change the word white to black in a lot of these headlines and the author is fired. Point blank period without even thinking about it. I'll give you that. Fair enough. Yeah, it, it doesn't make it right. I'm not saying people should be fired for speaking their minds and, right. that, and that you as a, a white conservative male, that your opinion should value less. So I will say this about that. I do think that a lot of times people do this thing where you cannot have an opinion if it is not the opinion that they want you to have. And I think that that kind of diminishes the conversations that can be had. Like you said, you're here with us. And if we felt like your opinion mattered less because you were white, then we wouldn't be having the breadth or the width of conversation that we're having. It wouldn't be as in-depth as it is. And I think a lot of times people do this thing where they assume because you do not identify with the group that you were talking about or having an opinion on, then you cannot have a valid opinion. And so I think that it is better to say that very oftentimes you can see this if we're talking in terms of spaces where minority voices are not normally heard. So maybe you kind of highlight those voices, especially if they're talking about their own interests or best interests, because who better knows that than the people whose interests we're talking about. So I get it in in that respect. But I think it's very foolish to then cut certain people out of the conversation as if they cannot have any insight. Yeah, I think you just have to highlight specific voices so that you make sure that everyone is being heard. So the idea here is going forward, like we're talking about solutions. The idea here is to focus on making sure everyone is getting a seat at the table and we're not giving them a seat at the table because we don't have one of you here. We're giving you a seat at the table because your opinion is valued and you add something of value and we want you here. So it shouldn't be the focus shouldn't be on quotas. Like you're saying, no, I, I don't want a job exactly. because I'm black. Like, I, I don't ever want a job for that specific reason. But I also have worked many, many jobs over the course of my lifetime where I show up and I'm the only black person there. Maybe it's a dim, maybe it's a dim, a part of the demographic where I live. Who knows? I'm not entirely sure. I'm not going to sit here and say that's white privilege. And that's why I'm the only black person in all the offices I've worked in in the past 10 years, because it, it may be, maybe not. Right. But I will say that there is something to be said about making sure that the voices that are not normally heard, the ones that have had their voices silenced, are able to speak about the things that affect them and not be in a room full of people that the ideas do not that the ideas and opinions don't affect directly. That's it. Give people that you're talking about and making legislation about and making laws and rules about a seat at the table to have discussions about their own best interests. I think that would fix a lot of the problems. Yeah. I don't think yeah. that I, I don't think that that's necessarily far fetched. I don't think that that's a horrible idea. If we're saying that everyone's opinions are valued, then the people 
who you're making legislation for should have some say in that. Absolutely. I mean, I don't think anybody's going to disagree with you on that one. I mean, we have a we have a free electorate, you know, here in the, in the country like we, you know, we? we we've had a lot. Of, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's as free as it is anywhere else in the world. That's for damn and sure. That's but. not at all. That's what that means. Like, do we? (laughs) It's as free as it is anywhere, anywhere else in the world, and everywhere else in the world, it's not free. (laughs) We have a fairly free. I mean, look at the most recent election. How Miss Hazy did a whole segment on the show about the first, first Muslim woman, first Korean woman, first this, that, and the other thing. Like, uh, people are people. All sorts of firsts are occurring. So clearly, you know, like I said, going back to before, it's if it is a problem, it is definitely diminishing to the point of virtual non-existence at this point, where uh, you know, there's there's plenty of people of minorities that have advantages because of those said minorities in in electorates. I mean, look at look at how politics is. If you didn't like Barack Obama, you were a racist. That was yeah. that was that was the narrative. And that's, you know, I mean, now there if were, you like Donald Trump, you're a racist. Yeah, absolutely. And don't get me wrong. There's plenty of people who didn't like Barack Obama because they were racist. I'm not forsaking. You know, I'm not I'm not denying that existed, but. A vast, vast majority of people who didn't like Barack Obama had nothing to do with the color of his skin. And the vast, vast majority of people who like Donald Trump, it has nothing to do with the color of the people's skin that he may or may not think are rapes, racists or rapists or whatever. <laughs> or both. <laughs> All right. Or, or, or a little bit of both. Yeah. So that's somewhere. <laughs> I don't because I don't want people to, to walk away from this and, and think that we're saying that white privilege doesn't exist or that it never existed or hypothetically that it can't exist. I think the whole idea here is that it's it, it's like you said, it's, it's very broad. It's a very broad thing. It's a very large type of concept to try to grasp and encompass. And by doing that, it makes it very hard to come up with a, a plausible solution. And so if the idea here is to try to band together, to be better, to, to, to have some type of continued growth as a people, then throwing a blanket concept on something and then hoping that we can fix it is, is really kind of a bad way of going about it. There's nothing wrong with the concept. And like I said, there's nothing necessarily wrong with the idea of white privilege. But I think you do have to acknowledge how far we have come and take that and build upon it. What can we do? These things have worked. These things have improved. How are we able to improve them? Now, how can we apply that to the areas that also need work? I'll take that. That's a good compromise. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I don't know how anyone could argue with that. That's that's the perfect compromise, too, in my opinion. I think. This is always going to be a talking point. This is always going to be a question unless, which Billy Ray has repeated several times, unless the economic status of everything changes, this is always going to be a thing. It's always going to the, – the, the what's going to be on the forefront is the economic and the social classes because as long as there's a divide there, I think – no matter what we say, and I'm I'm not trying to be the negative Nancy or anything like that, but as long as there is an economic and a social divide, uh, it, there's there's all these things are always going to exist. Yes, it might be in small quantities, and I do hope as we move forward, year after year, um, you know, decade after decade, et cetera, et cetera, the, these things will get smaller and smaller. But I think it'll it will be always there unless everybody's always on a level playing field. Unfortunately, that's not something that's ever going to happen. So I think this will always be. But that doesn't mean that we, we shouldn't stop to, to do our parts and everybody, you know, do their parts to to make the situation better. Yeah, man, we, we don't live in a, in a utopia. You know, it's, there's, right. it will definitely there's definitely going to always be an aspect of everything. It's just how we treat it and how much of that uh, permeates throughout society that we can control and we should. Right. Yeah. Cause I think that that's human nature, right? I don't think that's Absolutely. necessarily a part of 
race, this idea of the haves and the have-nots or some having more than others. That That is just human nature. That is not indicative of anyone's race. Well, just right. to clarify and to get very, very conspiratorial, but you can prove this, so just go right ahead and do so. <laughs> if you don't believe me, break out your pads and your pens. Really find out who is the 1% and who is the point 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 zero 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 one percent Find out who those people are. Okay, and, and I don't pretend to know, but I think I'm headed in the right direction here. Um, find out who those people are, because those are the people who set policy. Those are the real movers and shakers. And I'm not talking about the Clintons. I'm not talking about the Bushes. I'm not talking about the Obamas and the Donald Trumps. No, those you're talking people, about the people whose money buys them. The, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, those people. Um and, and we can get into the Rothschilds and all that other stuff, but I won't. Okay, uh-huh. but but <laughs> but uh, well, that would be a but, whole nother hour. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Got shit to do. We could do a series, a, a whole series on that, man. Twenty-four um, hour podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, but these are the people that are instituting the divide because they've been running things for a long long time and they have no intention of giving it up no intention and they've studied us they've studied how we think how we act how, what makes us tick all right to the point where uh, it's called culture creation go look it up right and uh, they manipulate us through our culture through our music through our news every way shape and form it's there and that's what we need to realize. And once we start realizing it, uh, they get they get nervous. And I think the the result of Donald Trump becoming the president of the, of the United States was a direct hit on people waking up and realizing that some shit was going on. Because once this guy became president, it turned right back to Republican versus Democrat, liberal versus conservative, white versus black. I mean, not that it wasn't there before, but it is up there now. And, and uh I think we were making progress and I think we're falling back now. So we need to we need to realize what this is and uh, step away from this system because the system was not made for us. And for us, I don't mean white or black. I mean, the 99 percent. The system was not made for us to win. Just saying. Go ahead. Well, damn. (laughs) (laughs) Well. Um, <laughs> Billy Ray just hitting them KOs tonight, boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Billy Ray came for someone who uh, almost didn't make it. He came with a full arsenal of weapons ready. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, several mic drop moments from Billy Ray Valentine tonight. Well, people, we we are about an hour and twenty. Is there anything left? Are we ready to say goodbyes, good nights? Billy Ray Valentine just keeps taking the air out of the podcast in a in the most positive way possible. The guy's just a fucking wealth of knowledge, and I'm jealous of how much information he can retain in his brain. Oh man, I can't retain much, man. It's tough. <laughs> Bello, Bello, be the first to tell you. <laughs> but but man, it's it's uh it's so it's always fun. It's a privilege, man. It really is to be on with you and the entire panel you assembled, man. Uh Everybody, man, follow me on Twitter. Uh, everybody does, except for for VJ. I think uh, you should <laughs> just follow okay. me. Well, it'll All be right. cool. I, I'll follow you and I'll listen to your podcast, and I'm sure I will learn many, 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 many things. Um, I'm I'm very happy to be here. I'm always happy to have these conversations. Um, whether I'm right, wrong, or indifferent, I like to give what I think is the version of events that uh, that I subscribe to, and. Uh, I am not willing, I am not, uh, what is it? 
I am always willing to say that I'm wrong. You know, so if you think I'm wrong, hit me up and I will listen to it and I, I will I will definitely adjust my position if you make a convincing enough argument. Hayes, thank you so much. I appreciate you, man. Uh, any Seriously, I, I, I throw jokes for any time, Bill Ray. You know, I love having you on. I love talking to you even if it's not on podcast. So any, literally any time, man. And um, I do want to say that it's important for anyone who's listening to this that to say that there, there was never, this panel was never going to decide or be able to, say if it exists or if it doesn't the whole point of this was for us to share our perspectives and we all want to hear back from you. everyone on this panel is a podcast they all love hearing feedback that's what we get into this for so even if you're a listener of just the awakened soul if you're a listener of just the infinite friend since bill ray's posting there too whatever you're welcome to reach out to anyone on this panel and continue the conversation that's what we do this for uh, Bello, any last words from you? No, not not so much. I'll echo a lot of Billy Ray sentiments. It's always a pleasure to be here. It's always awesome to have these kinds of conversations with the you know an, an array of people with a, uh, just a litany of different perspectives. Um, you know, it, it, it was it, it's funny because we we're having this conversation, and obviously, like as a white person, like I don't you know I don't experience what other people perceive as white privilege on a day to day basis. Like I mean, like yeah, maybe I'm a recipient of it, but I don't perceive it in the same way that everyone else here does. And a lot of the things that we talked about on this panel, it was like, you know, everyone here kind of didn't see it that way. You're not going to let concepts like white privilege, you know, hold you down. Or there was another instance as well where it was just like, well, that's not how I see things. And it's like, yeah, no, obviously that's not how we see things because we're all the type of people that will sit down and have this very conversation, which is if if everyone had the wealth of knowledge between the five of us as far as like what's really going on here, how things are being um, you know, handled from from as far as, you know, the kind of the puppet masters from Billy Ray all the way down the things about like placement and grocery stores of items like there. If if we could all somehow share this knowledge with one another, things like white privilege will dissipate if they haven't already to begin with. Great words from a great man. That's the Andrew Bello. Uh, you're too kind. <laughs> Jamie on Twitter at Bello being Bello. Definitely going to find him. Because I, I love seeing Bello just crush people politely. He's the most he's the most pro- polite jackass I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, that's that's a good one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put that on my business card. Knows that silent asshole. Smoke show, polite jackass, PhD in NXT. There you go. <laughs> I'm writing these down. <laughs> you gotta trademark them. Um, I also just wanna wanna um also say thank you again to Hayes to you know just first of all putting this. Just top it together and invite me on with this amazing panel. Bill Ray and Bella, I haven't podcasted with these guys in like forever. Um, VJ, pleasure to meet you as well. But um, definitely glad to be here and glad to be on. Um, I can be reached on Twitter at the P1JB. Also, uh, our show Naked Mindset. Uh, the the uh, Twitter on that is at Naked, uh, excuse me, at Naked Mindset Pod. Um, go ahead and check us out. Uh, we drop shows every Thursday. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for me. <laughs> oh Wait, man, and that's and that's why I love Andrew Bello. VJ, what do you got to leave us with? Um, yeah, well, I guess to echo the sentiment of the other three gentlemen here, thank you so much for having me. I think this was um enlightening, and um, I certainly hope that the takeaway here is um that. 
the world is still full of good people trying to do good things and have good conversations. And I think the key here is harnessing the knowledge that we take from other people and applying it to our lives and just trying to push forward and be the best possible version of ourselves we can be. And I think with that, we can kind of find a little common ground, right? Because we all just want to be good people, I hope. <laughs> Better versions of ourselves going forward. So I think that is the key here. Um, You can find me on Twitter because, yes, I like to talk. And I talk to people. So if you're not following me, you should follow me. It's at BJ underscore Burton. And again, I have had a really good time. Um, learned a lot tonight. So thank you all very, very much. All right. Well, that's the lovely panel. You guys know where you can follow me. I am CEO Hayes. That's C-E-O-H-A-I-Z-E. You can follow the Awakened Soul at Awakened Soul Pod. You can follow the Breaks Media Network at The Breaks Media on Twitter. You can also send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns, theawakensoulpod at gmail.com. And lastly, if you want your lovely voice to be heard, because I'm sure everyone who listens to this podcast is just the most pleasant voice ever, you can send us voicemails 614-547-2039. We will play that on this podcast. This has been a great episode, a great discussion. This is what we do this stuff for. So definitely reach out and follow these wonderful people who are on this panel. But that's it. We're sticking a fork in this one. I will see you beautiful and lovely people next week. Peace. Peace. Later. I have nothing to say. (laughs) (laughs) It's about damn time. (laughs) This has been a presentation of the Break Break Media. Why you so fine?